transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Well, night has fallen on the Mojave. The skies have been very busy, and not just at night. And this weird UFO group keeps releasing these little videos that are supposed to show UFOs zipping around and being chased by fighter jets. And that first one was pretty interesting. But this kind of stuff sure gets stale fast. It really wears out its welcome. And so people go back to their other concerns, their routines, and the various clear and present dangers, and we do have a lot of those. Meanwhile, there's this wild report from a transportation news site called The Drive with a recording of FAA radio traffic over southeastern Arizona, Tucson, and Saguaro National Park. It's a real recording. It was released by the Federal Aviation Administration on the afternoon of February 24. A Learjet run by Phoenix Air reported something zooming overhead at 40,000 feet. The tower says there's no traffic that they know of, and another pilot chimes in. A UFO. Well, there's some mundane radio traffic for a few minutes, and then the crew of the American Airlines Airbus headed in the opposite direction sees it as well, putting out all kinds of light. And off it goes, still around 40,000 feet. A very similar thing happened over Northern California back in October. Air traffic between Portland, Oregon and San Francisco saw this white craft way up high, moving around. No transponder, nothing anybody knew about. Many strange sights in the sky, signs and wonders, maybe. Maybe it's all like Carl Jung suggested. Maybe all those lights in the sky, all those wheels in the sky, maybe they're magically generated or psychically generated by the weird feelings of a society, of a civilization. Maybe that's it. Maybe our own craziness creates the UFOs. Carl Jung wrote an interesting little book on the subject, Flying Saucers, a modern myth of things seen in the sky. He had no doubt people were having real experiences, often with multiple witnesses, people of supposed good character. And even some of Carl Jung's trusted colleagues had reported their encounters to him. People told Carl Jung some wild stories. When he was still a psychoanalyst working with Freud in Vienna, Carl Jung's therapy patients began reporting strange dreams to him, strange visions. Visions of horror that seemed too awful to be real. These visions were of Nazi Germany in the decade to come, genocide, extermination camps, mountains of human bones. And then in the 1950s, UFOs were being seen all over the world. Every kind of crazy thing, big V-shaped things with intense lights like in Lubbock, Texas. 
or weird silvery ghost rockets over Finland and Sweden, or all those saucers over Joshua Tree and Death Valley. Atomic nerves, maybe. Well, he began collecting UFO data from newspaper reports and from people he knew as colleagues and patients all the way back in 1946. We didn't even have the term flying saucer in 1946. That would come with Kenneth Arnold's sighting in 1947. When a Washington state newspaper's misunderstanding of his description changed the fleet of boomerang-shaped UFOs over the Cascades into something else entirely, flying saucers, that's when a new type of UFO became the most commonly seen of flying disc like two saucers pressed together. If the newspaper editor had screwed it up a little worse, everybody might be seeing flying sausages instead, which they do, it turns out. We call them cigar-shaped craft. Almost any shape of commonly reported UFO can look like a flying saucer in profile. Even black triangles and diamond-shaped craft. By the 1950s, Carl Jung was reading every crazy book on the subject. It baffled him. It intrigued him. He could not decide whether they were physical objects or psychic manifestations of a kind he believed marked the beginnings and endings of eras here on Earth, the great eras of civilization. In his book about the flying saucers, he said that UFOs must be mass visions evidence of the collective consciousness waking up to immense change. Listen to this. As we know from ancient Egyptian history, they are manifestations of psychic changes which always appear at the end of one platonic month and at the beginning of another. Apparently they are changes in the constellation of psychic dominance of the archetypes or gods as they used to be called which bring about or accompany long-lasting transformations of the collective psyche. The transformation started in the historical era and left its traces first in the passing of the Aeon of Taurus into that of Aries, and then of Aries into Pisces, whose beginning coincides with the rise of Christianity. We are now nearing that great change which may be expected when the spring point enters Aquarius. Age of Aquarius, is that where all that started? An interesting thing about the supposed Age of Aquarius is that nobody can agree on when it starts or what it means. The people who follow medieval astrology say that the Age of Aquarius will bring in a world ruled by the power-hungry, immoral corporate boards ruling from the shadows and secrecy. And only the ability to win wars, trade wars, cold wars, hot wars, culture wars, will matter in this grim new age. Knowledge and technology and science will be used not for the good of humanity, but only to exploit it, to cheapen it, to punish it, to abuse it, to treat the billions of people like the unloved consumers that they are. What comes after the age of Christianity, the age when Western civilization led the world? Proponents of medieval astrology predict a dark spiritual age, a time when anything positive about Christianity will be mocked, and a cult of death will be all that's left of what once claimed to be a moral philosophy. 
a moral theology based on love, on forgiveness, on caring for those in your society. Love thy neighbor when it meant helping your fellow woman, your fellow man. A time when evil leaders, people without morals, without a good bone in their body, will use their business interests, their financial interests as their only guiding light. Where death is something to laugh at, where love does not exist, where the earth is something to rape and destroy as quickly as possible, and when it all goes to hell, which it will, the billionaires who run Russia and China and America will leave on luxury rocket ships. They will escape and leave the billions to fight each other for the crumbs, the world on fire. But because of a Broadway musical with a lot of catchy songs about the hippie movement, it became common belief that the age of Aquarius coincided with the end of the 20th century and that the 21st century would be a very beautiful time. Not for the stock market or whatever, but for the world, for humanity, for nature and the environment. Books like Silent Spring by the brilliant writer and marine biologist Rachel Carson had motivated a lot of the baby boomers to become interested in ecology. The idea of the Earth as a living system that we as the apex predator and technological wonders of the planet should choose to protect and defend. And that the balance of our technological civilization and the natural world would eventually work out, could eventually work out for the good of us all, for the good of all of us, the people, of course, who need fresh air and clean water, who need nature and wildlife, not just to survive, but to thrive, to live well in the world. Jesus said that we cannot live by bread alone. We can survive on bread. We can probably survive pretty well on that wheat bread from the health food store in Joshua Tree with the nine ancient grains and whatever, full of nutrients, or at least a lot of them. But that's not a full life, only eating bread or getting most of your calories from soda pop and sports drinks, as most Americans do, caloric beverages. Well, at least wine tastes good. Uh, it makes you feel good in moderation. It's good for your heart, too, in moderation. In moderation, unless it's a wedding or other such big occasion, and then you want to have more wine. You want the DJ to play all the favorites on your wedding night. Nobody is going to leave because the DJ plays back in black again at 11.45 p.m. Nobody's going to say that's out of line or I've had it with you people. Nobody good, anyway. And if you run out of wine, you better hope somebody like Jesus comes around. Hope to see his face. Jesus never wanted you to live on bread alone. You cannot live on bread alone. It is written. People cannot live only by bread. Man cannot live on bread alone. What did he mean? What did that mean? Well, the world is full of people anxious to tell you what Jesus meant if you send a check for $25 to the Church of the Sacred Bleeding Heart of Jesus located somewhere in Los Angeles, California. But the consensus is that Jesus meant there is more to life than just surviving, more to life than just getting by. Your life should be spiritually satisfied as well, spiritually meaningful, live by a code of basic, decent human conduct, the golden rule, the cowboy code. You might get your spiritual nourishment in a temple or a church or a mosque or an art museum or a honky-tonk or a book club. 
or going out bird watching or surfing at dawn or taking a daily hike in the high desert to breathe the sweet smell of creosote after a late winter rain. To hear the cheery song of all those little birds. Everyone getting set up for that perfect time. The 11 days of spring in the desert. UFOs in their modern form became a global outrage in the last years of the 1940s, becoming a global panic in the 1950s, leading to congressional inquiries and Air Force interviews with witnesses. Thousands of people attended the UFO gatherings at Giant Rock, events well attended by spies from all sides in the Cold War. Russia exploited the UFO panic in hopes of breaking down American society. As Russian intelligence has always chipped away at America's insanity, its racism, its inequality, Russia did not have a comfortable middle class, could not compete with our Detroit tail fins, our brand new highways, our gleaming airports, our color televisions and good telephone service and rock and roll. All the things we used to enjoy in America before America was sold and beaten down and sold again, caught and bought and sold again. A fun thing to tell your children if they want a toy from the chain toy store, the only one in town if you live in a town, is that the toy store is closing and all the people who work there will be fired and not have a job anymore and not have money to buy toys or even food for their own children. Because a special kind of intentionally destructive investment fund called a vulture fund buys companies that serve some purpose and then billions of dollars of debt get shoveled over this previously functional company. And once these fund managers have killed the thing and sold off all the sellable parts of flesh and bone and blood remaining, well, then they abandon whatever's left of the corpse. That's an insult to vultures, to our beloved turkey vultures, our buzzards, our beautiful and weird relatives of the giant condors, our desert friends who only eat what has come to the end of its natural life, who clean up rather than create disasters fueled by their own hate made entirely of evil, the very real energy of evil, the fuel of the human hybrid devils. Vultures are not evil. They are not capable of it. Well, anyway, by the 1960s, the UFO thing evolved into the abduction story, Betty and Barney Hill medical exams by the aliens, that whole setup. And by the 1970s and 1980s, well, it had turned into a horror movie. The Pascagoula abduction, those hideous robot monsters, the dread, always the dread. And then the local TV news and the tabloids and the uneasy sense that the government, all governments everywhere, was not only studying this phenomenon, but they also might be in on it. Deeply in on the whole rotten deal. Boy, what a bunch of dummies we are. How easily we are tricked. How easily we are led astray. Led to shoot ourselves in the foot or maybe right in the head. Driven to madness. Driven to insanity. James Forrestal was America's first Secretary of Defense under Truman. He had a long and distinguished leadership career at the Navy, where he had also been an aviator, a naval aviator. Oh, and he went to Princeton, and he was editor of the Princeton newspaper. He had worked for newspapers since he was 16. He made a fortune on Wall Street, and it is said he got FDR elected once or twice. One day he danced through a 16th floor window in his pajamas at the Naval Hospital in Maryland, and that was that. 
people have always said that he was the victim of an assassin, that maybe he knew too much about mind control about the UFO problem. Lots of American military and government officials have died in such ways. Is there an awful darkness at the root of America, the root of the modern world? Is there something larger, something more evil at work? Or just a lot of bad people, a lot of greed heads, backstabbers, and scumsuckers at the top, just like at the bottom, just at a larger scale? A lot of conspiracies, always, always a lot of conspiracies, big conspiracies and little ones, disinformation and hit jobs. One day you're a Russian under protection of the UK and then you touch the door of your car in England and you're nearly struck dead from a secret, highly toxic nerve agent that's not even supposed to exist. One day you're looking at your dumb relatives, dumb nonsense on Facebook and then next you're going out to protest against the immigrants, against the others, all arranged by a bunch of Russians on the other side of the planet or somebody in Arizona doing it for the lulls. If you want to see all of this in microcosm, all of this within a small group of mostly fringe figures, the paranormal crowd, the UFO hunters, mysterious billionaires who fund competing branches of research that never goes anywhere, never establishes any facts, never even agrees on parameters, well then you may wish to examine the field of UFO research. What a bunch of charlatans and dingbats and humorless goons and self-important, self-promoting flesh bags talking to each other and only each other hoping for crumbs from the billionaires or the media. Nobody having any idea what's real or not, but always putting out some nonsense story. Somebody knows more than you do. Pay up now to get the inside knowledge. Go to the conference. The inside knowledge it never leads anywhere. That is not knowledge at all. That is 90% intentional deception and 10% willful misunderstanding. Ask a relatively normal person about UFOs and most will say they believe or they want to believe. Believe in what? Ask them what it is they believe or what they want to believe and ask them why oh they will tell you about the space monsters the space brothers the flying saucers the alien abductions the alien implants and where is all this from where is this narrative from it is from science fiction writers fantasy writers it is the old lore of elves and fairy lights and foxfire and spirits dressed up in cold war armor dressed up for the space age dressed up in a costume a cheap costume there are no facts there is no information there is nothing to learn here you might as well study computer coding or accounting at least you can get a job with that kind of study maybe for the next couple of years anyway until the last jobs go to the computer cloud, the server farm. What will they do with us then? And why would you expect to be anything short of a nightmare? In 70 years of this so-called UFO research, not a single fact has been established beyond that some people at some times have seen things that cannot be easily explained. That's it. That's all. It's an empty well, a dry well, and if you get interested in this empty well, you will be encouraged to jump in, jump down like James Forrestal. The only thing at the bottom is you, broken apart, broken to pieces. 
if you were a biologist or an anthropologist or any kind of scientist, any kind of real scientist, and you had spent seven decades unable to establish even a basic set of facts about your area of inquiry, well, you would be considered a failure, a flop. You would be shunned. Not even the nutritionists, the ones who told two generations to eat all the wrong foods, the ones who invented the diabetes and obesity epidemics. Not even the nutritionists got away with it for 70 years. So here are some of the questions UFO researchers have failed to answer. A short list, because the whole list would take up the next couple of radio shows. What are UFOs? Where and when do they come from? How do they work? Are they part of nature? Are they mechanical? Are they intelligent or artificially intelligent? Are they benign or are they evil or are they both? Are they gods? Are they devils? Or are they both? Are they hallucinated in whole or in part? Are they technological tricks made by humans? Are they technological tricks made by gods or demons or even space aliens? Are they our evolved and hideous form from the future? Are the stragglers who survived the hell we create here on what was supposed to be the earthly paradise? Are they a distant equivalent of computer game videos flashing down at random, filling our ape heads with something that was simply a diversion created in a future we don't understand, zapped back through time and space by accident by some future version of streaming video and multiplayer games? Quantum gaming, imagine that. It's all some Disney, Pentagon, Kremlin, self-care, psychosis treatment accidentally flashing back a century or two. It's Fortnite from the future. It's Candy Crush or the Bible from a distant hell, a hell of our own making. Hell on Earth, buy it today. Nothing. There's nothing known. You call the supposed occupants of UFOs space aliens because that's what they are in the movies and in the comic books, on the TV, in the video games. Aliens from where? Nobody knows because nobody knows anything. I can tell you that I've seen UFOs, whether in lights in the sky or once at least, the kind of dramatic close encounter that should provide some information, some knowledge. And there's never been any information. Only mystery. Well, so what if somebody was sitting right next to me in the jeep when the giant black triangle zapped into being from a distant blinding white light on the horizon? So what? I've been interested in black triangle UFOs since the wave of sightings of military jet encounters over Europe in the late 1980s and early 1990s. Who's to say I did not simply see the UFO that was interesting to me and the other person saw the same thing the way people start whistling a tune their spouse or friend or sibling had just thought about a moment before. That's how people communicate with their minds sometimes. We're not good at it. Sometimes it's random and sometimes it's focused. Sometimes it is caused by death or emotional trauma. And sometimes it's what George Carlin called brain droppings. But we are not good at it. Remote viewers are not even good at it. Even though they get some results, we don't know how it works. We don't know how any of this works. 
a sense of wonder is not information, regardless of what the burning bush told Moses, regardless of the voices St. Paul heard in his head, the voices the little children at Fatima heard inside their little brains, the supposed devil who tempted Christ on the mountain, or the Buddha in the deer park, the loved goddesses from Venus who spoke to George Van Tassel. It's all a bunch of vague information processed into a narrative that makes sense to the witness, the person perhaps randomly chosen to get blasted by some kind of utterly unknown and completely misunderstood information, or the person who chose to pursue it, chose to pursue the mystery, or the person cursed to carry some dubious message to the people. A new day is coming. The end is near. Welcome, Space Brothers. The aliens are from Sirius or from beneath the earth or from under the rapidly melting ice caps. Nobody knows. We know nothing. We spin around on a world we are killing as fast as we can and we know nothing. I had planned to take a call tonight. Don't know what happened. Tomorrow night, March 17, Saturday up in the high desert, Desert Oracle will be part of Curate Joshua Tree's art event at Outpost Projects, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. I will be there with red, blue, black, silver. We'll be broadcasting from that old yellow trailer right there on the property. It should be a fine evening out. What you do is you find Outpost Projects on your phone or your computer or Curate Joshua Tree and you let them know you'd like to attend. It's probably okay for you to attend. Just call yourself an artist. That works pretty well up here for a lot of these characters. From Amboy to Zizix and across the great Mojave wilderness, this has been Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting from KCDZ 107.7 FM in downtown Joshua Tree. Friday nights at 10 p.m. And everywhere, all the time, with your favorite podcast player. You know, this podcast, Desert Oracle Radio, the podcast of this broadcast, is now coming to you from Art19, the very fancy podcast company out of Los Angeles. We will do anything to improve our free service to you, our free service called Desert Oracle Radio. If we don't see you tomorrow night, have a real nice St. Patrick's Day, whatever that might mean to you. I like to spend St. Patrick's weekend about as far from all the people and the sports bars and the green beer as I can. Pretty much like every weekend, every week. I like to spend it out on the desert with all my desert friends. The coyote and the cactus wren, the vulture and the raven. And St. Patrick's Day means the rattlesnakes are about to come out of hibernation, out of their holes. The Mojave Green Rattlesnake, especially. I guess that old St. Patrick wasn't so magical after all. And there were not any snakes in Ireland to begin with. Good night from the voice of the desert. <laughs> <laughs>